the digital options inside there as well on how to give financially around here. We are in week two of a new series um, called This is the Kingdom. It's, it's really all about Jesus' kingdom, wondering what does it mean to be a people of his kingdom? We have been in the world, drug along by our own desires and what we think life needs to look like. And Jesus' way, his kingdom, is a totally different way than the world's way. And unfortunately, like, like what we mostly know is the world's kingdom. And, and so as a people, we're passionate about becoming a people of Jesus' kingdom. What does that look like, Jesus, for us to live with your kingdom values, your priorities, your heart, your desires alive inside of us? We don't want to just cruise through this life without significance or purpose or hope in you, God. We want to actually live for an eternal kingdom, not a temporary one that is passing away. And so this is a conversation around several parables that Jesus told, stories that he told to help us understand what his kingdom is like. And so uh, I want to go to Matthew chapter 22 today. If you have your Bible, Bible app, or you, you uh, need to Google it, look, look it up somewhere so that you can get to Matthew chapter 22. I want you to go with us into this story. And I'm just going to tell you the story today because I think it's, it's, uh, it's a powerful picture. Jesus starts painting this picture. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who, who, who uh, prepared a massive wedding feast for his son. And um, when the feast was all ready, all the preparations had been made, he called his servants to himself and he says, hey, the fattened calves have been fattened and slaughtered. The oxen are slaughtered like the party is ready. I want you to go tell all the invited guests. Go, go get the invited guests and tell them, now is the time. The party is ready. Come fill this hall. So the servants go out, and they begin to spread the word to all the invited guests. And um, some of them are kind of busy. They've got fields to attend to or businesses to take care of. And others of them start to kind of abuse and even mistreat the servants of the king. And, and some of them even kill them. The king hears of this, and he's absolutely enraged sends his army to go destroy the murderers and actually burns their whole city to the ground. And then he calls his servants to himself again. He says, now, guys, those that were invited are not worthy of the invitation. And so I want you to go to the streets. I want you to go to the corners. I want you to go find people to fill this hall. The celebration is about to begin. And so they went out. They invited people from everywhere, all walks of life. The Bible says the good and the bad. And, and, and they just began to fill that hall. Well, when the king comes into the celebration, he recognizes that there's a man there that doesn't have the proper wedding attire on. And so he calls the man to himself, and he says, hey, what's the deal, friend? Why aren't you dressed for this wedding? The man is speechless. And so the king calls his servants and says, I want you to bind him hand and foot. I want you to cast him into outer darkness, into a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus closes the parable with this statement. Many are invited, but few are chosen. This is a story from God's word. I want to pray. Just ask God to help us understand this today. Let's pray together. Lord, as we come to this parable that you told, we ask you to just give us eyes to see what you're, you're, you're helping us to see, God. Ears to hear. Hearts that are passionate to, to understand, God. I pray, Lord, that you would just speak powerfully in this time and that you would uh, just give us a sense of urgency about your kingdom, God. A sense of awe, a sense of wonder, God. I, I pray that you would just open our eyes, soften our hearts, 
and speak powerfully in this time. We love you, Jesus, and we trust you to reveal yourself. In your name, amen. A couple observations just about this story, just to help us kind of understand what's going on. Anytime Jesus is telling a parable, we talked about this last week, he's kind of covering the meaning with this, this story. Below the surface, there's this awareness that some of the hearers would have had that maybe we don't have in our culture and in our context today. The context of Matthew chapter 21, 22 is pretty significant. Jesus had just come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, declaring his kingship, that he is the king, the long-awaited king, the, the fulfillment of prophecy. And people are celebrating, hey, the king is here. But he didn't come in the way that they thought he would come. And so the religious leaders are challenging Jesus' authority. And they're like, are you really the one we've been waiting for? And so he begins to tell them these series of stories, kind of condemning them that they are missing the kingdom that is right in front of them. I mean, you could, you could take this story and understand that the Pharisees are like the, the invited guests that were too busy, that had previous engagements, fields to tend to, they had businesses to take care of, who even abused and mistreated some of the king's servants. Uh, if you read throughout Scripture, you'll see prophets being killed by all these religious leaders uh, of, of God's people. And so there's this sense of like, whoa condemnation kind of coming from Jesus into this story towards the Pharisees. But there's also this, this tone that I think is important for us to get that the kingdom apparently, according to Jesus' story, is a feast. It's a party. It's a wedding. It's a celebration. It's something of joy, of significance. It's not like this drudgery, like, oh man, here we go again. The kingdom is a, is a kingdom to be celebrated, to be enjoyed. When you think of a wedding feast. I was talking to somebody in the lobby. They threw a huge wedding at their house yesterday. Like it's a joyful occasion, right? And, and this picture is being painted of, of this is what my kingdom is like. It's to be enjoyed. It's to be celebrated. Throughout scripture, there's always this picture of Jesus as the groom and his church as the bride. And, and there's this finality of, of when, when that is finally going to be culminated at the end of all time, that there's going to be this amazing celebration of, of God's victory over sin and death and his people now included in his kingdom. It's like this massive party that is being thrown. I think it's important to observe that. I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like our interpretation of the kingdom is very serious and very intense. In fact, one of our, our photographers here, she's always like, hey, can you try to smile a little bit more when you're preaching? Because I'm trying to get a good picture, and it's just not working. I'm like, oh, sorry. It, it, it's, it's like intense, right? Uh, like kingdom. And maybe it's a party. Maybe it's a little different than that. The other thing that I think is so cool to see in this story, the invited guests reject the invitation, and so the king is like, all right, fill this hall. I don't care who you get, but go get them. And I want you to go to the streets, and I want you to find people. The Bible says good and bad. And I want you to get them in this hall. I think it's so important to see that the kingdom is open to everyone, that the kingdom is an invitation to all, that it's not for the select few, the ones that, that thought they should have been invited to the party, the ones that were too busy. It's, it is for everyone that will heed the invitation and fill up the hall. The other thing that I think is important to see in this story is that there's this kind of this awkward exchange towards the end where the guy's not dressed right. 
I don't know, there's kind of an intense, you notice the intensity of like bind him hand and foot, throw him into hell? Like, whoa. Whoa, like the king is kind of a mean guy if you're not careful in this story, right? And that's not it at all. In fact, in tradition of of this century, the the wedding feast um, and all the guests that would have been brought to this wedding feast would have been provided with wedding clothes. So that there's this sense of like, hey, you're dressed however you're dressed for work and for ordinary life, but we have something special going on here. And so we're going to give you this new set of clothing, this new set of garments to help you celebrate with us. And so there would have been a clear rejection from this man's part of, of not receiving this new set of garments. And I just read that to understand that the kingdom requires transformation. But what's so cool about that is the king actually provides the transformation. Does that make sense? That it's not like up to you to get yourself put together for the party, but the king is saying, I want you in the hall, but as you come in the hall, I want to exchange your old identity for this new identity. Just a couple of observations as we look at this story. For me, I, when, I, when I come to this story, I'm, I'm just struck by, by several of these themes. And I, I was thinking about just the, the clothing theme. Is, it's an important piece for us to grab a hold of. And I think clothing is, is it's always a statement about us, right? Intentional, unintentionally, there's always statements associated with how we dress. And I would say most of the time, if you ever see me dressed well, you have my wife to thank for it, okay? And I am just not, I am not in that zone most of the time. And, and, and so I, I, I think about even when I was in middle school, like I was, I sh- struggle bus for years on, on clothing and what to wear and, and how to do that. And one time particular was tough. Um, I, I got this opportunity to um, do a solo in the school band, like a couple strikes against me already, right? Like band, middle school, boy, right? I, yeah, I, was, I said struggle bus, but uh, I was excited about this solo, and, and I was going to play uh, the, the melody line, the lead line of this, uh, uh, I can't even remember what the name of the song is, but it's the theme song for Beauty and the Beast. You know what I'm talking about? A Tale as Old as Time, I think is what it's called. Yeah, you're like, oh, man, Richie. You're embarrassed for me right now. Don't, don't. No, it's okay. I, um, I was so excited about it, but the, the band instructor said, okay, I want you all to wear black and white. It's a big deal. Uh, I want you to dress nice and get ready for this. It's going to be an awesome concert. And so, uh, lucky for me, I already had a black button-up shirt in my closet. So, all I had to do was just to get the white to complement this black. And I totally got it backwards. I showed up as a little chubby middle school boy in white dress pants. Like, who does this when everybody else has black pants and a white shirt? I completely reversed this whole thing. And and I walked in, and it's clear. Like, there's like 40 of us, and I am the only one wearing white pants. Never in my life have I been so humiliated. But I will say this. I stood up, and I crushed that solo. I was like on it. But man, get the clothing right. It's a statement, right? And I I think about your story, and just going, I wonder, like, when you hear this story of the, the feast, the party, the celebration, are you ready for it? Are you in stride with Jesus saying, hey, this is what my kingdom is like? It's like this wedding feast. It's a celebration. It's a party. It is a place of joy. And I can't help but wonder, like, as Jesus' people, are we a people of his kingdom where we understand our personal part and our corporate collective part? Like, this is a a statement to you personally, but also a story for us collectively. We are becoming Jesus' 
church. And each of us has an awareness of that together. The thing that, that I want to just highlight at the beginning is this, is going, hey, the king had a choice. Jesus had a choice on what setting he would choose to set this story in. And he chose a celebration. I just want you to kind of reflect on your own story. Am I enjoying the king's presence? Am I, am I filled with a sense of joy and gratitude and humility? Like I was the one that wasn't originally invited, but the king uh, saw fit to come to the place of brokenness that I was, the good, the bad, wherever I was, and he made sure I got the invitation. Those of you that have received Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, you understand that you have been brought into a family that you were not born into. You have been adopted into a place of, 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 of man, of the king, that you have been brought in in a place of privilege and honor. What a joy that we are even allowed to be in this kingdom and for us just to let that settle in because man sometimes it just becomes kind of dull like our fire and our joy just kind of it just gets eroded in our hearts because life is busy and we have hard stuff and we have difficulties and we have broken relationships and people say stuff and whatever else just rolls through our life in a given week if we're not careful we're too busy for Jesus we're too consumed with ourselves and our brokenness to enjoy the king's presence. And I think that this is a good kind of reflection point for us to go, wait a second. Am I in awe of the invitation that I've received? Is my heart filled with a sense of gratitude and overflowing with joy that I would be allowed even to come to this party? When, when I hear this story, I just go, God... My life does not feel like a party all of the time. My mindset does not seem like joyful and excited all the time. God, would you, would you restore that sense of joy to my heart? That sense of excitement, that humility that comes with receiving that invitation to the party that you didn't get, you didn't deserve or you didn't earn. Man, God, would you just fill me again with that sense of joy? And I think for, for us just to kind of go, wow, let's not allow ourselves to get too busy for Jesus, to take church gatherings like this for granted, to just go through motions and check boxes, but to be a people of this party, of the celebration, to, to put our hands together, to, to express ourselves, and, and to go, wow, God, what a joy that we get to be invited to this party. We're not, yeah, this is not a chore for you, a box for you to check. This is an opportunity for you and I. I, I preached all about this last week because passion is a choice that we make. It is an opportunity that we have to recognize the gift of God's grace and his salvation. He didn't have to invite you. He chose to invite you to this party. And for you and I just to go, wow, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you would allow me to come to this is such a gift. And for our hearts to be reminded of that, softened back towards that, are you enjoying the king's presence? Think about us corporately. This was a celebration for everybody. I can't help but wonder, like, the conversation between the king and the servants, like, hey, those guys that were invited, they're not worthy of the invitation. I want you to go get everybody. I want this hall filled, he says. I want you to get anybody. I want you to get everybody. And they're like, king said, so let's do it. And I love this because I think about us. Are we making this a place for everybody? 
Have we taken the, the responsibility of, of the king on as servants in this story to go, hey, hey, who needs to fill these few empty seats in this service? Who, who needs to be with me experiencing the joy of this celebration? Who, God, do you have in my life, at work, at, in, in my family? Who, God, do you, are you going to allow me to get the invitation out to? The good, the bad, whatever. And, and, and God, when people walk in this place, are they going to experience the same thing they would experience in this hall where you are welcome here? No matter where you've been, what you've come through, you are welcome here. We want you to be a part of this celebration. And, and each of us taking responsibility for that, to make this a place that is open to everyone. Here's what happens. is when we start to make our, our gatherings like this or our groups or like church, it becomes this thing that's more about like what we need and what we want and is it going to meet my needs and I hope he preaches that thing and they sing that song and, and, and the coffee tastes like that other church's coffee or whatever, right? When we start to do that, we get focused inward. And our eyes are not paying attention to who God is bringing to the party. And if we miss the, the people that God is bringing, man, we, risk, we run the risk of, of making this a place that's only for the exclusive ones that have already got the thing all figured out and already fit in, and it feels like a click, and it feels like you can only get in if you have this certain kind of expectation or whatever. And man, that is not the way I see the kingdom going. So I wonder, have you taken on the responsibility to go, hey, is this a place for everyone? Am I making this a place for everyone? Or am I just kind of coming and doing my thing, what I want, what I need, and, and, and just missing the opportunity that you could be a servant of the king in this story, that you could be part of the, the opportunity to fill the hall, right? Like that, that there, is, there is a world full of people dying for an invitation. And we have an opportunity to be those people that are passionate about obeying the king's orders to get this hall full. And I can't wait to see how God does that and stirs that in us going, man, God, I want, I want this to be a place that everybody can, can connect, can feel like they are at home. I was talking to a guy a couple weeks ago, and he was serving at our One Heart event, and he, he, he said to me afterwards, it was like the, the next day, the Sunday after, you know, One Heart for us has started as this opportunity to just bless people in need in our city, and, and um, it's cool to see close to 3,000 people that were, were at these two locations this year. And uh, he grew up pretty, in a, kind of a rough environment, in prison for several years, and in prison the gangs were all racially segregated, and he's, he, this is the story he's telling me. And um, so ra racism was kind of a part of how he thought about people and looked at people. And so as, as he was there serving with us at One Heart, he felt all of this judgment creeping back up in his heart and starting to take over his day. And then as, as he was kind of thinking through this and struggling through this on that day, he, he said that God just, like, just grabbed a hold of his heart. And he said, I want you to remember where you were when you first walked into real life, in the place of desperation, just out of prison, all kinds of brokenness in his past and all kinds of challenges currently that he was working through, financial troubles, all kinds of stuff. In this church, these people became a safe place for you to find a home. And he said, Richie, I realized in that moment that this really is a church for everybody. And who am I to sit here in a place of judgment or critique of other people in our city. And I just, I love, what I love about that story is God reminded him of where he came from. And I think we lose touch sometimes with where 
we've come from and the grace that we've been shown and the love that, that God has poured out on our lives and, and how, how much desperation we really had to even get an invitation to this party in the first place, that it wasn't, it wasn't our right. It wasn't like our, our family lineage that got us in to this party. It was purely by the invitation of the king. When we recognize that, I think our hearts fill with compassion. Oh, God. Oh, God, who else needs to get here? Oh, God, who else is out there broken and struggling and stuck and needs hope, needs, needs a hand, needs somebody to, to make that invitation to them? Oh, God, may we not be a place that, that has like a code language and expectations and insider, you know, little, little church talk, right? Like, God, would we be a place where anybody and everybody can find hope and find healing, that this would truly be a hospital? I paint this picture all the time in my mind and my heart that Jesus Church is to be a hospital for the hurting, not a country club for those that already are all cleaned up. No, 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 no. This is a life-saving station. And we live in a city that is desperate for somebody to offer them a hand out of that broken place. Amen? Are you making this a place for anyone? Not, not, hey, Richie, would you make this a place for anyone? We are a people of the kingdom. You have an individual identity in that, and you have a corporate identity in that. And as Jesus' church, as real life, we're just another church in another city, but we have a passion that we would be Jesus' church, not our own version of it but that we would be the, the people that God says, you know what, I'm going to build my kingdom. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to fill these halls, and I am, I'm not going to let anything stop what I am doing through these people. God, that's the kind of people we want to be. We want to be a part of that church. The other thing, I guess it's another question I have, is, is when you see this story and you hear the picture of, of the, the clothing exchange, the guy that's not dressed right. It seems like transformation is an expectation in the kingdom. That you're invited no matter where you are or where you've been, but as you come in, there's an exchange that God is wanting to do. And I wonder, are you someone that is being changed into a person that honors the invitation that you've been given, honors the king? You can imagine the father of the groom saying, hey, I'm going to throw a party, and I'm going to, all expenses paid. I cannot wait to fill this hall. But, man, this is the kind of party I want to have, and this is the way I want it to go. It is his right to have those expectations on the celebration. And it is his joy to provide the transformation that he is expecting. He will provide the clothing for you. And I think sometimes it's, it's, it's a slippery thing. If, if we're not careful, we, we, want the, we want the enjoyment of the kingdom without the, the obedience and the transformation of the kingdom. And we find ourselves kind of bringing in all of our, our way of the world and the world's kingdom and how it's dominated our priorities and our decisions and, and, and our value system. And we bring that with us into the kingdom of God and we expect the kingdom of God to bend around our agenda and our priorities. And the king's like, not in this house. It's not how it goes. He's not mad about that. He's not mean about that. In fact, he's willing to provide the transformation for us. But transformation is expected. Change, growing. 
The, the picture of, of clothing exchange, I think, is powerful, and it's all throughout Scripture. Paul says that you have been clothed with Christ, that you have been given a new identity. You've, you've taken off these, these clothes, the old garments of, of the sinful nature, and you're putting on new clothes of, of this nature of the Son of God. So now when God looks at you, he no longer sees you clothed in your old wickedness and all of your deceit and your brokenness of your past, but he sees you clothed in the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. That exchange is all throughout Scripture. In Isaiah 61, I love the picture. It's a prophecy of the arrival of Jesus, and, and he's talking about all the exchanges that are going to be happening as the Savior of the world gets here on the scene. On the scene. He's going to console those who mourn in Zion. He's going to give them beauty for ashes. I love that exchange. For where you've been in mourning and brokenness, I'm going to give you beauty in, in, in replacing all those ashes. The oil of joy for all of your mourning. Or listen to this. He says, I'm going to give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When I hear those exchanges, I go, God, we want to be a people that put on these new clothes, these clothes of transformation, to be a disciple of Jesus. In his original invitation, he says to his disciples, come follow me, and I'm going to make you into fisher of men. Right now, you're just fishing for fish, and your purpose is your own. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transform your life, and I'm going to make you somebody that cares about my mission and my passion and my purpose. And, and, and it's a transformed process where you are actually becoming somebody different that values people, not for what they can do for you, but for how God can love them through you. How, how you are being changed not to view people from a worldly perspective, but you're actually being compelled by the love of God to help people experience the love that God is pouring out in your life. There isn't a transformation that is expected as a part of the kingdom of God. And for you and I, just to honestly answer this and go, oh, have I been somebody who's passionate about transformation in my own life? Am I resisting the work of God in my life going, no, I don't, I don't want to give up the world. I don't want to give up what I used to do and how I, my attitudes about people, my perspectives about uh, different kind of topics in culture right now. I don't want to give anything up. I'll just add Jesus to what I'm already doing. The king is going, that's not how it works. you got to take off those old clothes. you got to put on a new garment. I think about some of us, that, that picture in Isaiah 61 is so powerful. Like uh, You've been wearing this, this spirit of heaviness. It's your anxieties. It's your worries. It's your pressure that you're putting on yourself, that people are putting on you. He's going, I want to exchange that. I want to give, give you a garment of praise. A garment of celebration, a garment of gratitude, a garment of worship. That you're not burdened by the world any longer, but that you're free to worship me. See, these kind of exchanges are Jesus' passion. And for us to walk into this celebration, just know this, that there is transformation expected in the kingdom. That's not a bad thing, that's an amazing thing. I no longer have to be governed by my sinful nature. I no longer have to be angry. I no longer have to be controlled by addiction. I no longer have to harbor bitterness and envy in my heart. I, I, I no longer have to sexually just be driven by my desires, but I can actually be free. I can be filled with hope. I can be filled with satisfaction that is found in a purpose that is eternal, not trying to make purpose for myself. Like this is not a bad exchange, people, right? 
Like, this is an amazing gift that God is offering to us. I have a new set of clothes for you. I want to give you a whole new outfit, a whole new garment. I'm going to give you a whole new way of living. I'm going to take all of that burden, all that heaviness, all of that that you've been cowering under and all the pain that you've been covering. I'm going to, I'm going to take all of that and I'm going to bury it in the grave with my son. And as he comes up out of that grave, resurrected a new life, I'm going to give you that same spirit that brought him out of the grave. I'm going to give you that spirit of joy, of, of peace, of patience, of goodness, of gentleness, all this that you can't produce on your own, my spirit is going to produce in you if you would take take on this new identity, if you would take on this new garment, amen, if you would take on this new purpose that I want to offer to you. See, are you becoming somebody that's, that's transformed into somebody that honors the invitation that you've been given? See, this is how we honor the king. Oh, God, you would invite us. Who am I? You would open these doors for me. Get God whatever you want. Whatever you would require of this life, it's yours. I hold nothing back. It's yours, God. You're my king. I'll honor you. I want that garment of praise, God tired of all this heaviness, all this shame, all these pressures that I keep trying to operate under God. They're yours. The question I keep just thinking through this conversation today is, who are we becoming? Who are you becoming? People of the kingdom? People who understand that and this is a celebration, a joy that we've been invited into. This is a party. People that understand that this is going to be a place for everyone, that God is wanting to make his invitation, his appeal through you, that every, every corner, every family, every neighborhood, every school friend, everybody around you is worthy of an invitation, an opportunity for us to fill this hall. God, would you make this a place for anyone? use me, use us. So as you're praying right now, this morning, I just want you to think about your next step for a moment. Maybe just close your eyes for a minute. Maybe it is that garment picture. You've been, you've been wearing the wrong clothes. The king is, is ready to hand you this new identity no longer bound by your sin, but set free to become who God made you to be. That's why we celebrate baptism. It's a picture of that exchange. If you would say yes to Jesus today, that is your next step. Maybe church has just become a kind of drudgery for you and the kingdom is a burden and Jesus is another agenda item. God is just just humbling you just acknowledge that repent of that 
God, forgive me for making light of you and your sacrifice. Allowing you just to be another box that I got to check. God, forgive me. Jesus, you see a, a people, God, that you are offering your life to. This whole new garment, God, that you have offered to each of us, a new identity, a new sense of purpose, God, a freedom and a joy, God, that we could never create on our own. And God, I just pray that, that the exchange would be powerful in each of our lives right now today, God. That we would drop the spirit of heaviness and we'd put on the garment of praise. That we'd take off the way of the world and its burdens and its desires, God, and we'd put on the way of your kingdom. And we would be clothed in you, Jesus, in your righteousness, in your perfection, God. Jesus, make us a church, God, that just can't wait to get this hall filled, God, with every soul, God, that you are longing to save you are longing to reach, God. Make this a place for anyone, God. We trust you, Jesus.